This is another episode of the Five Senses Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Robert Zinni. Today, we have Carrie Hull from Northern Arizona Climate Change Alliance and Patrick Grady from Yavapai Climate Change Coalition to give us an update about Prescott's Earth Week. And I'm excited to talk to these two people because Patrick was on our show earlier this month. And because of the pandemic, we had to delay a little bit about that. But they're here to give us an update of how we can still be engaged uh, at Earth Week next week, um, even though we may have to do this virtually. So good afternoon, Carrie and Patrick. How are you doing? Good, thanks. Mm -hmm. So. So, Carrie, you have been a community organizer for probably most of your adult life. And so I, I just want to know, like, how can we still engage uh, in Prescott's Earth Week? And what have you done to adapt to our current situation with the pandemic? Wow. It has literally been a whirlwind of activity because I, I just was reflecting back on this, um, I think last night or the, yesterday, that um, we had just finished uh, organizing all the in-person events, which were as you know substantial, probably fifteen, maybe twelve to fifteen, just in the Prescott area. And so we had just got that kind of that information out, pushed it out, and then and then this happened <laughs> and it was kind of like this weird week. And I remember Patrick, we were kind of meeting with everybody. Like we would kept meeting at the porch. Like this was before the social distancing started. And it was like, we would go to the porch and everybody would be there from all organizations. And I was like, and then it was like, and then we didn't see anybody for the past, whatever, two or three weeks. But in those two to three weeks, um, just nobody even said what to do. Jenna um, Ortega, my cohort a community organizer in Flagstaff, we were just like, well, I guess we're just going to go digital. Like we didn't have a meeting about it. Like the board of directors didn't say, this is what we're going to do. We just naturally um, are animals of like, you know, if it's possible, we're going to do it. So we have um, transformed and pivoted completely to digital and the upside for our um, the regional virtual Earth Week of Northern Arizona is that the events that we had planned in Flagstaff, Sedona, Cottonwood, and Prescott, they're still being planned by those teams. But now everybody gets to participate. So that's the silver lining. And um, so it's really kind of cool that Jenna, who usually works in her region and I work in mine, and we work together. But but now we are literally doing it all together. So it's been kind of fun, super stressful. This whole technology learning curve is um, not, not my whole adult life. I really appreciate you saying that, Robert, because you make it seem like I'm 30, but I'm 53. And anybody who has ever been a volunteer or worked with me in any capacity, they know the first thing that I delegate is anything that has to do with technology. <laughs> Instagram, Facebook, da, da, da. But now I have to lead and learn. And now I'm able to delegate a little bit more, but we've had to um, learn all the platforms. We're utilizing Zoom. And um, we got a donation from a very generous board member that helped us um, upgrade for webinars so that we can conduct more professional presentations through Earth Week. And we've just been, it's just like, we got lots of plates in the air right now and it's all happening. All right. so, 
Well, kudos to you two for continuing with uh, Prescott's and Northern Arizona's Earth Week. Um, and it was, it was interesting, Patrick, because I was going over our last podcast and there's this uh, minute about how, you know, where you were expanding uh, downtown and there's going to be this great right. celebration and now it has to be virtual. So that's definitely an impact on on the week. But how can uh, uh, the Prescott community still be engaged with all the events that you've had scheduled? Well, first and foremost, um, I want to compliment both Carrie and, and Jenna for their for their work. Um, been a learning curve for them and for speaking for my generation, for me as well. And um, so Zooming every day is a, is a new experience and I, I miss the physical contact, but the, the virtual week that we've set, set up um, we've gotten a real positive response from a number of our team leaders. So we, we have events that focus on personal actions that you can take. We have three youth events coordinated by our Prescott College intern, Annie Baker from North Carolina. She's doing all of this. Um, and we, we have some, I think, some really potentially engaging conversations set up. Uh, on April 22nd, which is the 50th anniversary of, of Earth Day itself, uh, we have a panel, which I'll stand on in a few moments, and then another panel the next day that Carrie and I host, which is really talking about, so what's the future hold for the local climate change movement? And so really within the last 24 hours, Carrie and Jenna have gotten out the entire schedule with all of the directions on how one can join these meetings. My advice to folks watching this podcast is register now, because even though we're able to reach a number of people through Zoom, there is a people limit. So, um, and that limit is 100 minus the number of panelists that we might have. We have some really good panelists at, on a couple of events. So um, yeah, it'll be, it'll be exciting and uh, we'll, we'll be taking answers. We'll have conversations. We'll go into the chat room. Um, it'll, it'll, it'll be good and it'll hopefully continue to build our movement. Yeah. Um, what's really exciting about this is um, we've never done it before. <laughs> so I'm glad we're starting tomorrow night with a poster painting party. Cause I feel like we can't really mess that one up. <laughs> <laughs> so, but in regard to that, it's such a good point you make there, Patrick. Um, we are also going to be recording all the events and they're going to be posted up on um, the Nazca YouTube channel. But for those that don't like frequent our channel, which isn't very many people, we're also going to post it up on our website. So what's great about this has also been now we're like really utilizing our, our digital platforms like we've never had before. Our website's amazing. And so I'm going to um, add just the whole, um, all the recordings for Earth Week right there. So if you miss it, you can't ask any questions, but you can watch the whole program in its entirety. Um, so that's cool. But yeah, definitely register early. Or if it's a Zoom, that's for a webinar, is pre registration, and that's all um, the links are there. But if it's a meeting, you just join in the moment. And so, I would add that. If, for example, you're not on one of our lists, um, and you should be, but if you're not um, <laughs> on NASCA or YCC or Sierra Club or Prescott Indivisible, 
um, lists, um, you could go to www.nazca.org and then do what, Carrie? Go to the calendar mm -hmm. events. events. And you'll okay. find events for the Flagstaff region, Prescott region, et cetera. And, and yeah, and just remember, everybody needs to check out all the cities because we don't have all the, they're, they're not all listed in one place. Each city that's organizing the events, they're posted on that event calendar, but you can go to any of them. Okay, so that's great information. And so for the Prescott region, could uh, you two highlight some of the cool virtual events that, you'll be sponsoring next week. So we all can keep on engaging with sustainability and earth week celebrations. Carrie, would you do the um, youth events first and I'll do the, and the 21st and I'll do the 22nd and 23rd. Um, sure. So let's see here. Yep. So we have our poster painting party tomorrow night that starts. Um, this is all, these are all Arizona time. So that starts at 4 PM and basically it's just uh it's just a way to connect people, um, young people and families, um, to get them excited about, um, you know, when we actually do get to go out and do some earth marches or global climate strikes uh, led by the youth. We'll have our signs already pre-done and just a way to connect and actually practice some of these meetings before the more serious ones come up. Um, and then uh, Saturday, eight, the 18th at 9 a.m. is Passion for the Planet. It's our second annual Earth Week Youth Summit. What's really cool about that one is um, we have it starting at 9 a.m. because we're going to have some global participation from young people, hopefully from Sweden, potentially Africa. So everything is still just kind of like um, developing and it's super organic, So, um, which is kind of fun. Um, but we always... We always um, hope for the best and, you know, aim, aim pretty high. So is, do you want to talk about any now, Patrick, or do I keep going? I'll add to the, to the youth summit. Um, your viewers would be interested to know that North Point uh, hosted our first youth summit last year. Mm -hmm. um, and we have some North Point students, by the way, that are participating uh, in this youth summit, uh, we have a student from NAU, and we're we're hopeful for uh, a number of other high school students um, here uh, from the Prescott region, as well as potentially around the state. So um, I think it's really important for us older adults to tune in and support the youth, um, because we need to hear their stories, we need to hear their concerns, what they're passionate about. And I think, frankly, you'll be like me and inspired by their messages. No, I, I agree with you. Like last year, I was the moderator for that. And we had, what, about eight to nine uh, mm -hmm. students from colleges, Bradshaw Mountain, North Point. I think a basis person was there, too. And mm -hmm. I walked away with that, like you said, with a lot of inspiration because these students, the, the younger generation will have to learn how to live in a warmer climate. You know, they'll have to think of uh, different ways, innovative ways to make sure that their region, whatever, wherever they live, especially in Prescott, how can they prevent, um, let's just say, uh, uneasy living or just prevent um, not having policy in place or having the ideas and the knowledge to curb whatever is going to go down their way. And um, hearing youth talk about this one topic 
is so inspirational, you know? Um, I know there's a lot of trolls out there and we don't, like I said, we don't have to get into a debate about if it's man-made or if it's a cyclical thing, but we all can notice that with scientific data, it all is pointing to a warmer climate. And if they're going to inherit it, then we need to open the doors and have them have that platform for them to share their ideas because again, they're going to live with it and they're going to be the ones that are going to problem solve. And so I'm looking forward to the 18th uh, Youth Summit as well because these young kids, when they're passionate and they care, they can really change the the world and uh, turn some heads. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting point that you bring up there that makes me um, think about some conversations that have been had comparing COVID-19 and the current emergency and crisis that we're in. No choice, right? It's happening. Mm -hmm. And so we've had to act fast, adapt, pivot, plan. Um, While people knew there would be pandemics or whatever, but it was always that kind of like, well, it's not happening right now, just like climate change. And so we're, our organization is really going to try to capitalize on that and kind of help draw attention to the, what that means. Like now, do you see how that in, in, you know, in paradise fire is that was in paradise, right? So you don't have to talk to the paradise people about what, what it's like to um, have be vulnerable and have a, you know, have a um, community crisis. So, but for some reason, it's always really hard for people to think that it's really going to impact them and their community. But now <laughs> I feel like this is a good example to, sh- to demonstrate to people um, how it can happen to your community and, and how these crises, um, they, they, they shouldn't be over there or happening to them. This is us and we. And so, you know, we're the only ones that are going to be able to solve this problem. And I do hope that we can count on the young people, uh, the next generation to help lead us because I, I think that we may not have done the best job leading so far. So maybe it's time for us to step aside and let them teach us a few things. Mm-hmm. And then um, moving to the week of April 21st, um, on that day, we have Gary Beverly of the Sierra Club actually reprising his uh, speaker role uh, that he did at the uh, Prescott Public Library uh, earlier this year, uh, and then going live with Q&A that night uh, for that particular presentation on uh, both personal and political actions that uh, individuals can take to address climate change. And I know that Five Senses um, is carrying his article and also carrying an article that I wrote uh, about collective action um, uh, in our community that can uh, contribute to our efforts with the local climate change movement. So that would be a good one to listen into. Then on the 21st, uh, we have a a panel on on sustainability. Um, it's the, the next day, Patrick. It's the twenty second. Is on the twenty second. Thank yeah. you. Mm-hmm. And on that panel, where it's entitled "Sustainability: Think Globally, Act Locally," and we have Laird Christensen from Prescott College, Darcy Hitchcock from the Sustainability Alliance in Sedona in the Verde Valley, and Mackenzie Jones from. Uh, City of Sedona, she's their sustainability coordinator, and Debbie Cotton from our own YCCC, who's been engaged in uh, climate planning uh, with our team for for well over a year. So that panel 
We'll initially have some brief presentations by each of those panelists uh, talking again about sustainability, climate action, risk assessment, uh, and resiliency. Uh, as, as Carrie just used the term uh, adaptation, how does a community adapt to a changing climate? Are we prepared to do so? And because there'll be you know, modest presentations, it's believed uh, a lot of opportunity then um, to engage in conversation uh, with those specific panelists. And what's really exciting about that particular event is it was a Prescott event, but then we were utilizing a lot of Sedona speakers and we work in Sedona. So we, we've mobilized that team uh, to kind of get involved over there. So this is, um, we're doing a co-event co with Sedona and Prescott. And it's super inspiring because what they're talking about really only is impactful if all the communities do this together. Because, you know, Flagstaff has their climate change and action plan and adaptation plan in place, you know, but, you know, they, they just can't work in a vacuum. They're not the only one that has a forest that's vulnerable to fires. And so, you know, our, our organization is really working so hard to dovetail all of the city officials and the work that they're doing and help steward them along just to work together. We're not setting the agenda. We, we want them to see what other cities are doing and how they can work together to make to make the work more impactful so that um, we can all be, you know, um, renewable and sustainable and resilient together. Yeah, and I think when you look at best practices around the country um, and, and you talk to city leaders, and I'm not referring to any particular city within our community, I'm referring more generally to each of the larger cities in our Quad Cities region, uh, as well as the rest of Yavapai County, those examples are the most relevant. Those examples are citizenry can see, oh yeah, they're just over the hill and oh, they've done this, this, and this. That's a potentially a good model for us to look at. So that's another good reason for having allies like the Sustainability Alliance, which is a citizen grassroots organization focused on a variety of sustainability issues within within their region and then of course looking at the actual city practice of having a, a full-time sustainability coordinator is an interesting move that the city of Sedona took perhaps just a couple of years ago I believe. Right it's nice to see different cities around Arizona uh, coming together for sustainability. You know, my mind always goes to um, the Verde Valley Archaeology Center. Um, the archaeologist there, his name is Ken Zoll. And when he uh, talked to my class, and we just did about an ancient culture class, 800 years ago in the Verde Valley, there was a civilization there, and then they just vanished, right? And he told our class that the reason was climate change the 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 seasonal patterns change and so this these indigenous cultures had to move and so when we talk about you know climate change i just think about sustainability like it's not a hoax right it's not it's gonna impact everyone and i want to get back to carrie's point about um when you compared the pandemic to climate change right we still have some people in this country that may not take this pandemic seriously enough because maybe it hasn't impacted their communities yet and 
just to kind of segue to to the April 22nd, the sustainability, think globally, act locally, that's kind of what we have to do when it comes to sustainability is on a global scale, different patterns are changing. The the ice caps are melting, right? I mean, 12,000 years ago, we had a climate change disaster called the last ice age, right? That's in the mm-hmm. geological record that definitely transformed human civilization. So I guess what I'm trying to get at with like maybe the climate deniers out there is like, it does, we don't have to debate it anymore. Like there's scientific facts about that. And the one thing that I want to back it up with is pandemic. We have a lot of science. And what I've been looking at is there's been a lot more like pro-science talk out there because of the people who considered it a hoax and whatnot. And again, it's about impact in the community. It's not one political party against another one. It's how can we better Northern Arizona and the Quad City area so we can prevent a forest fire, so we can prevent some ecological disaster that we may have to migrate somewhere else. Or what Patrick got to our in our last podcast is we may be a hub for Phoenix migrants in the future. You know, don't know if it's going to be 10, 20 years, but what y'all are promoting is we need to look at the long game of how to become more sustainable and making sure that our community will last a long time that other people can enjoy. Um. That's a, actually you, you should join our, our podcast on the 23rd <laughs> because that's what Gary and I will, will be talking about. So where do we go from here? So right. we've heard Gary's talk, we've heard, we've got input from the youth summit. And, uh, and of course there's an awful lot of other events around earth day itself going on across the globe. And we'll be getting feedback from the panel the night before. So what are we going to do to scale up our local sustainability and climate movement? How are we going to move from um, a, a primary and important focus on mobilizing to organizing and, and encourage and inspire others to join the teams that NASCA and YCC have set up in, in particular critical areas such as renewable energy or Andy Baker, our intern, heading up the youth activism team, or we have a team that Debbie Cotton works with on the on climate action planning, and we have a new interfaith climate action team. So the, that discussion is less presentation on, on the 23rd. It's more about feedback and engagement. So it'll be more of a town hall kind of setting, if you will, without the physical contact that we all miss. Okay. Yeah. And that's what's so great about Yavapai Climate Change Coalition and the work that we're doing is um, it's very, it's very localized. And it's not like we're not developing a plan and forcing it on the city and on the community. We're kind of like the conduit between the city government and the community to to help them have voices to the lawmakers that were elected to serve the community so that they can hear what 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 their concerns are and what are other cities that are like ours right so that's you want to model it after similar cities and um and then we just you know everybody just the conversation starts and you take just one one little one step. I mean, we're not, you know, we don't need to solve the whole problem by the end of 2020. But what we do need to do is make sure that we um, are having conversations and meetings and plans going on so that um, we are we are adapting and preparing for um, for what's to come. Right. And I, th- I think that's 
it just shows what you've done with going from physical interaction, socializing Earth Week to a virtual um, platform. Because it just shows that as humans, we can adapt to any circumstances. It's just, will we allow our stubbornness or our ignorance to not uh, adapt to our changing uh, circumstances? Yeah, it's it's so interesting because um, we are literally demonstrating what we're what we need to do, right? I mean, we could have easily just put on a couple of Earth Week events um, or you know Earth Day events and just been you know a little bit more mellow about it. <laughs> but you know, hey, we just, you know, if our teams want to want to do something, it's our job to support that and to make it happen and. Um, so it's exciting. And, you know, we don't have fear of, uh, you know, this wasn't perfect or whatever. We, we just want to, we're grassroots all the way through and through. So um, as I say that, and everybody attends our events, please be forgiving should I drop audio or something. <laughs> Please. Yeah. It's that, you know, it's kind of like we have to learn different social norms now when it comes to um, Zoom meetings. Or um, like the first day we had shelter in place, I went to the store without a mask and my friend who's a nurse like just berated me about how inconsiderate right. I was. I'm sorry I don't know the etiquette of a pandemic yet. Like give me a couple of days to figure it out how I can do that. <laughs> right. Or the CDC told us not to and now they're telling us to do it. So, so, you know, and that's fine. And so we all have to be, so what I've learned is we have to be a lot more forgiving of each other. I mean, every, my experience in working in this hyperbolic time frame, short digital, because digital and electronic communications, they lack a lot of emotion that that you can have. And so things are misunderstood, feelings are hurt, you know, but the work has to go on. So there's a lot of counseling and (laughs) (laughs) yeah, but you know, what, it just makes us stronger. It makes us stronger as an organization and hopefully as a community and a country and, and globally understanding how um, this is all, you know, we're one world. Right. We are with diff- different cultures, which are beautiful as well too. You know, it's like we are in a way what your organizations are now, please tell me if I'm going off with this analogy, but uh, you're like kind of like Paul Revere. You're kind of warning us that something's coming. And will we believe it or not, right? Now, Paul Revere definitely said the British were coming, but what you... And they did. <laughs> and they did, right? I mean, one thing I'd like to say to that is, um, since I started this job a year and a half ago, we've literally moved from climate change, how to di- dialogue with deniers, to where we are now, which is now transitioned to a climate emergency. We're not Paul Revere's saying, this is what's coming. We're saying, this is what's happening. And and the pandemic is a perfect example of it. And I'm having a call to action for some of our um, our professionals and um, scientists to to I don't this isn't about scaring people. This is just about informing them. Like, where do pandemics come from? And would they possibly have anything to do with global warming? Like when when um, when areas and when you lose biodiversity and animals cannot reside there anymore then they migrate like it all ties together i mean that's what science is that's not my area i'm just here to help connect average people to the information and and then ask the scientists to put it in um, plain terms that people can understand it and 
you know, and so I'm, I'm very fortunate to have this job and I think it's extremely important and, and effective. I think it's working. Good. I mean, I'm seeing it around Prescott as well. Um, and thank you for your great work, Gary. I mean, you said it, you said it like we're in a climate crisis right now and it's just to, to educate people. And I think once, once somebody who could be a denier just has the information, then they can make their own opinion out there. But you know, for me, I always look at the history of everything. Like there was a little ice age in the medieval times, right? And that was right around the same period of the the Black Plague, you know? And if we want to talk about mm-hmm. diseases correlating with climate change, if we have a warmer climate, well, then the ticks and the mosquitoes are going to go further away from um, the equator. And, you know, those have deadly diseases too, or lifelong diseases like Lyme disease from tick bites, you know? Right. So, so it's it's connecting the dots, right? Yep. So that's happening, but people don't realize the connection that it has to climate change. Like you just say climate change and people are like, uh, mm-hmm. like they just fog over. Like that's something like, they don't even know what it really means. I mean, I know I didn't when I first started, but now after, you know, 16 months of lecture after lecture, <laughs> I feel pretty <laughs> confident that not only do I know what it is, I also get like what my job is. It's to help other people understand I mean, it, climate change is just the big, the big word for it. It's happening all around us all the time. And so um, that's why we have to act now and engage our community. And, and you know, and that's where it comes in that delicate balance of um, not scaring people mm-hmm. is, um, you know, because you can come in as fear mongering oh, and they're just saying that to scare us. But but it's not true. We're, I mean, knowledge is power. You know, when you know better, you do better. I mean, I don't mean to simplify it, but that's literally how I like my life is run. So, and I feel like that's a good, simple way to look at it. When you know better, you do better. And so together we need to mm-hmm. behavior changes. No, I agree. Simple actions too. Like I like the the article that Patrick wrote about the tips that every everybody can do on a daily basis, you know, just, just, doing your part and it's not asking you to like change your whole lifestyle and whatnot, but you know, minimize plastic use, recycle, reduce, reuse everything. So switching topics before we um, end the podcast, you know, we, we got into a little bit about like climate deniers or like the science behind it and whatnot. Uh, I want to know if either of you have had it, have noticed or what scientists are seeing about our planet ever since the pandemic. Well, I read some articles, and I don't pretend to be an expert on those lessening the lessening impacts. But candidly, when you look at a city like Los Angeles, for example, they say that their air quality has actually improved substantially to back uh, to where it was in the 1990s, um, and with the the impact on reduce uh, air traffic, for example. I think air travel is down 90% uh, with reduced transportation, although I suspect there's still a slew of trucks on the road, but reduced transportation by a lot lot of us car drivers. Um, Yeah, I think you're seeing some impacts, but candidly, unless we change our mindset, that is a short-term impact. The likelihood, unless we change the, our patterns, the likelihood is that the economy will, a 
eventually come roaring back. And that economy is based on growth. It's based on consumption. And that it is candidly what's driving our difficulty of achieving a, a low-carbon future. For me, um, the pandemic experience relationship to climate change um, in obviously the tragedy of deaths and impacts of the coronavirus across the globe affects us nearly every day. I, I mean, for me personally, um, uh, I'm blessed to have friends like Terry It can kind of buoy me up um, and to have something to work on like Earth Week. So I'm not just at home um, isolated, but for millions, uh, the impact of the coronavirus impact uh, economically, uh, health-wise, et cetera, um, is, is huge. So I don't like to make too much of this, but I have read several articles that stress the, the hopefulness that has come out of perhaps seeing governments and nations working together in the face of this pandemic. And, and, and I'd like to just read something real, it's very brief, uh, from uh, a former official with the United Nations. And I think it speaks to some of the things that we're saying, but I think he says it better than I would have ad-libbed it. So he writes, the pandemic is far from over, but it has already brought certain truths which should have been evident into stark relief. Number one, viruses do not respect borders. Number two, without solidarity, we will not defeat this pandemic. Number three, scientific knowledge and advice matter. We've mentioned that a couple of times this afternoon. And number four, delay is deadly. And he ends by simply saying, simply these same lessons hold true for climate change and the climate crisis that we're currently in. Pretty simple, pretty basic truths, but that really hit home to me when that particular article came across a couple of days ago. Right. I mean, all of those four steps seem logical no matter what disaster it can right. bring. Too big to fail. We don't have enough money to switch from fossil fuel to renewable energies. It just costs too much. I mean, we are spending trillions and trillions of government funding to in reaction to this pandemic. And so I can't tell you how frustrating it is to always um, be reacting and not doing proactive, um, you know, investment into our, to this transition that we know that we need to be leaders on. I mean, you just look at Arizona. I mean, I don't even know what number we are in solar energy, but uh, we're pretty low. And I'll tell you who number one is, it's New Jersey. So <laughs> it's so embarrassing. And you know, it's all just about political will. It's like, where, where do we want to spend our money? Well, I think the people need to be able to say and have a voice and start in your vote matters. That's, I don't care 
you know, I don't care what political party you are, but you have to vote and you need to know who you vote for is going to push forward progressive, uh, renewable transitions for a healthier planet. And, you know, so I just wanted to say that as far as like, you know, the relation to what's going on with the pandemic and climate change is, you know, how are you, how are you spending your money? And we we always get accused that it's so expensive to do the transition, but, but now this isn't even an investment, right? This money that the government is spending, and I, I totally support it, obviously, but we have to start thinking differently about how we go about, um, you know, reacting and adapting and, you know, being sustainable. That's what being sustainable means, you know? So. No, I, I, I agree. And so uh, if you want more information on how you can be engaged with being more sustainable, but more importantly, celebrating the 50 years of Earth Day, right, next week, um, yes. you can tune in to... Northern Arizona Climate Change Alliance and Yavapai Climate Change Coalition's websites. We'll have links in the bottom uh, of our description here. And again, if you haven't been a part of Prescott's Earth Week before, it'll be different this year, but it just shows the adaptability of these two organizations to give you that knowledge to um, think about a little differently, right? And again, it's about making a sustainable future for everyone to benefit, you know, and just to put something else in, not only being sustainable will help and um, investing in new technologies will like help heal the planet, but also there's a lot of economic um, investments and growth that could happen from that too. So again, if you want to learn more about this, whether it's from the youth, um, different, political candidates from around Northern Arizona, um, or if you want to be a part of the drum circle that will happen virtually at the last day, uh, tune in for that. And I just want to say thank you to Carrie Hull and Patrick Gray for spending this afternoon with us to give us an update about what's going on with Prescott's and Northern Arizona's Earth Week. Um, this is Robert Zinni signing off of Five Senses Podcast. Uh, you can go to fivensesmag.com for more information and also like us on Facebook and Instagram. And now I found out that we have a Twitter, so we can tweet now, even though I don't really like tweeting. But anyways, um, stay tuned, and I hope to see some of you virtually next week on the different platforms of Earth Week. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.